feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to talk about what I thought was so inflammatory. I just thought it was so over the line, the speech by Joe Biden. And even Democrats are saying it was over the top. And it's all over the idea of identification for voting. Since when is that a, quote, racist idea? That is just making sure there is integrity in the voting process. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're also going to talk about something that I don't think is so far-fetched. Hillary Clinton running for president again. And coming up in about half an hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to be talking to former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie to get his take on all of this and also to get his take on some of the huge numbers that we have seen of illegals crossing the border. He has been very much on the crackdown of opioids, also synthetic opioids like fentanyl, which has sadly become basically the number one killer of Americans, 18 to 45 in the last year, staggering numbers. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about rising crime and how important it is. Remember, he's a former prosecutor about getting tough on crime and criminals. And boy, has Alvin Bragg turned that all upside down. A big show tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show. First off, your thoughts about Joe Biden's, I thought, incredibly toxic speech yesterday. Here he is saying, oh, I'm going to unify the country. I'm going to bring everybody together. Voting rights is something that all sides should care about. And yet every part of his speech was basically saying, if you're not with me, you are basically a racist. I thought it was so over the line. I thought it was so divisive. And I also think it comes at a time right now where if you're trying to get people on board and people even within your own party on board, like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema and people like that, by calling them racist if they don't vote for your policy, that is not the way to bring them to the bargaining table. What's your reaction to now people just saying this was incredibly toxic? And to me, I also think... It's a sign of desperation by this president, because if you look at some of the new poll numbers that came out today, and we're going to talk about them here on the Rita Cosby Show, some stunning numbers, that Quinnipiac, which usually is pretty favorable to Democrats, they have now Joe Biden at 33% approval rating. That is stunning. That's of everybody that's included. And when they polled independents, 25% percent approved of his job performance. That is a stunningly low number because often elections turn on the independents. You know, you get your base and then you got to bring in the other folks. And if he is at 25 percent with independents in America, I want to know who are the 25 percent who even think he's doing a good job, but 25 percent approve of his performance. And I want to get 
your take on all of this on his speech, which I think was sort of a desperate call to try to appeal to his base. I think he's a man like just losing control right now. And again, the report today that Hillary Clinton is considering throwing her name in the ring as maybe the person who will run against Joe Biden or instead of Joe Biden. What are your thoughts on all of this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. I contend Hillary actually might be a better candidate than Joe Biden. I don't think she was a great candidate, but I almost think anybody would be better than Joe Biden at this point. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you think of Hillary Clinton running 2024? What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222. First, let's talk about Joe Biden's speech yesterday, where at every turn, he basically said, you're either a racist or a segregationist, or you're with us. This is a little bit of his speech on voting reforms. Take a listen. And here in the district, as was pointed out, represented and reflected the life of beloved friend John Lewis, in their lifetimes, time stopped when a bomb blew up the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham and murdered four little girls. They stopped when John and many others seeking justice were beaten and bloodied while crossing the bridge at Selma, named after the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, they stopped. Time stopped. They forced the country to confront the hard truths and to act, to act to keep the promise of America alive, the promise that holds that we're all created equal, but more importantly, deserve to be treated equally. And from those moments of darkness and despair came light and hope. Came light and hope, but there wasn't any light and hope in his speech. Here's a little bit more of Biden, this one evoking George Wallace. Consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis? or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide, to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. Wow. Either you are defending democracy or you are a racist, a segregationist. It is just, I think, one of the most incendiary rhetorics that I have ever heard, especially out of a president who said, oh, I'm running as the great United I'm going to be the guy who's going to bring the country together. I don't like this rhetoric of Donald Trump. And yet what he just said was so unbelievably racist and disgusting and horrible. This is what Mitch McConnell had to say. Now, Mitch McConnell has known Joe Biden for decades. And boy, did he throw some flames back at Joe Biden. The president's rant, rant yesterday was incoherent. Incorrect and beneath his office. He used the phrase Jim Crow 2.0 to demagogue a law that makes the franchise more accessible than in his own state 
of Delaware. Yeah, and that is the reality, that the law in Georgia is now more open in his own state of Delaware, and yet he doesn't even take his own state to task. And yet it was just barb after barb after barb. I thought it was so disgusting. Here's a little bit more of Mitch McConnell talking about his longtime friend, Joe Biden. You could not invent a better advertisement for the legislative filibuster than what we've just seen. A president abandoning rational persuasion for pure, pure demagoguery. And by the way, anytime I now hear Joe Biden saying, oh, you know, that rhetoric of that person that that person said, it is nothing compared to, I think, the speech that we heard him give less than 24 hours or so ago. It was disgusting. And I thought it was smearing. And I agree with Mitch McConnell. I thought it was beneath the presidency, especially for a guy who is claiming that he's above it all, that he's not going to lower in the rhetoric. He's not going to lower in the punches. He's going to be the kind, gentler president. I didn't see any of that yesterday. And I'm glad to see that many people are criticizing it. But Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, circle back Psaki, had this to say when she was asked in response to Mitch McConnell's comments about Joe Biden. He said uh, he considers uh, Mitch McConnell a friend, and and that is true. Uh, That is why is it even more disappointing that someone who has supported and advocated for voting rights uh, in the past, wrote about it in his book, has talked about it publicly, and repeatedly uh, voted for the extension of voting rights protections. Yeah, she thought it was kind of fun. She thought it was kind of hilarious. Here's a little bit more. Let me play. This is uh, her number two talking about that. I know there has been a lot of claim of the offensive nature of the speech yesterday, which is hilarious on many levels, given how many people sat silently over the last four years for the former president. But I would note that in our view and the president's view, what is far more offensive is the effort to suppress people's basic right to exercise who they want to support and who they want to elect. That's not a partisan thing. Uh, and that, uh, that was why he gave such a strong speech yesterday. So did you hear what she just said? Because of the former president, you know, how dare anybody criticize Joe Biden basically saying you're a racist if you don't vote for their voting reform bill. That actually makes voting open to fraud and graft, essentially. Oh, you don't need an ID. Don't worry about it. You don't need this. Don't worry about it. And if you're not with us, well, then you are basically a slave owner. You're a racist. You're a segregationist. It is just obscene. Well, Bloomberg even came out and rebuked him. Take a listen. The issue right now the administration is facing is actually a bit of lackluster response or even backlash from many in the party who think this is just too little too late. Immediately after that speech in our inboxes, we heard from the head of the NAACP who said that this administration needs more action, less words, and that the president needs to apply the same level of urgency around voting rights the way he did for Build Back Better and infrastructure. And if not, America may soon be unrecognizable. But, of course, we know the issue is that, again, the president needs to get even members of his own party on board in order to amend the filibuster rules. And based on what we heard after the speech, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get some of those more independent members of his party. So this president's in trouble. And I think his speech showed a desperate attempt. And he's got these far lefters who are saying, we want more. We want more. You just heard like the folks at the NAACP. And then, of course, Stacey Abrams shunned him, as we talked about. So 
is he big time trouble? And were these basically the cries of a desperate man and a desperate party that knows that they're in trouble in the midterms? What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. You can also listen to us on the WABC app. You just have to uh, download it basically on the App Store or also Google Play. Let's go to Drew, who is listening on the WABC app. Go ahead, Drew, your thoughts. Those laws in Georgia are absolutely racist, and I'll tell you why. They went to our communities and picked up drop boxes and took off drop boxes in our community. They didn't go to white neighborhoods. They didn't go to Republican voting neighborhoods. They went to inner cities in African-American neighborhoods and took away their drop boxes. What are you talking about, Drew? Drew, Drew, Drew. Actually, I'm... It's absolutely true. Actually, Drew, that's actually not correct. And in fact, what happened in many of those communities, Mark Zuckerberg was actually adding many drop boxes in most of those communities. He spent hundreds of millions of dollars, not hundreds of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, and actually added drop boxes in many of the minority communities. Um, They had a massive turnout. They had the biggest turnout ever in American history in the last election. So for people to say that there are restrictions, that's a bunch of hogwash. Let's go to David in Los Angeles. David, you're here also listening, but you're on WABCradio.com. Go ahead, David. Don't even need to download the app. It's right online. Couldn't be easier, everybody. We love that. Thank you, David. That's great. Thank you. Now, I'll talk about the Biden speech first, and then I could weigh in with my opinion on Clinton versus Trump after this time. First of all, the Biden speech, it was very desperate. To me, it was a sign of true desperation. They must be seeing terrible market research numbers. Now, let's keep in mind, everything is about how Trump lost and there's no proof of election fraud. That's what January 6th was about. That's what the speech is about, that Trump lost. Hey, you silly people, fools that are saying there's election fraud. Guess what? This is all to repress When Trump runs in 2024, of course, he's going to be talking about the election fraud. So let's just mock it up right now. And the non-critical thinking liberals won't even realize. Yeah, there was no election fraud, except as you might have heard in Georgia, there's an investigation regarding ballot harvesting where a whistleblower came out and said that he got paid ten dollars a ballot and he turned in five thousand ballots. That's right. That's and in fact, the secretary of state, uh, Raffsenberger, has actually just said recently that he is looking into some of these claims. By the way, you know, what's interesting, Drew, uh, David, is the thought that Drew, who did just call, Oh, well, they took uh, boxes away. They did this. It's like it's like this false narrative of that things are against minority communities. And yet, if you look at the trend in a number of these states, um, uh, they're open. The only thing they're just saying, they're not saying we're targeting community. We're saying we want people who are registered voters. We want people who are American citizens just to make sure there's integrity. Because quite frankly, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you want to make sure that your ballot counts, that it's correct. You know, I, I mean, it's like this false hypothesis that like they're out to get. It's not. that, And that was the rhetoric that we heard, the very toxic rhetoric, I think, that we heard from President Biden yesterday that I think just fuels those false claims. David, go ahead. Do I have time to weigh in what will happen if Hillary runs against Trump this time? Yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead real quick, David. 
okay, now last time Trump was an unknown entity. People thought that he would take us to war and bankrupt the country. And even conservative talk show hosts were against him that said they were going to vote for Hillary. And there was a lot of passion for Hillary at the time, especially with young voters, first woman president. This time around, Trump proved himself to be amazing, didn't take us to war, helped the economy, greatest black numbers uh, as far as jobs. And Hillary's become much more unlikable, and I don't think there'll be passion to get out there for her. And with $5 a gallon gas and inflation like we have, there's no way the Democrats win. So Trump, even bigger this time. You think so? Now, real quick, David, do you think that she might substitute Biden? Because Biden is not doing well in the polls. Do you think that that's even a, a realistic issue to say, okay, well, let's have her run instead? Well, she's going to try. I'm here to say there's no way Biden's going to run, so it is going to be somebody else. I do fear Michelle Obama, but, you know, Hillary's probably going to try also. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we could see a number of folks possibly. And and Michelle Obama, just as you said, is still very popular in the Democratic Party. That would be interesting if she ran. I think that would be a a tighter race for a Republican. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Hillary Clinton in 2024. And what did you make of Biden's speech that was all over the place? I think Mitch McConnell was right when he said it was unpresidential and it was incoherent. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. And by the way, again, in about 15 minutes or so, Governor Chris Christie is going to join us for his take on all of this, plus the border and crime. That and more with Chris Christie in about 15 minutes. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. By the way, we're playing a little bit of Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes. Um, she passed away today at the age of 78. And, uh, you know, what an amazing, amazing life and so many great songs that she had through the years. Well, I think the speech that Joe Biden gave yesterday is going to be remembered through the years, through the decades, as one of the most divisive. And it sounded to me like a desperate man who was trying to get his points in because Right now, if you look at the polls, he is tanking. There's a new Quinnipiac poll that came out today, 33% approval rating for this president. That is horrible. And among independents, 25% approval rating. And Kamala Harris is doing even worse. So that's why there's talk now in the Wall Street Journal and others by Democrats saying, what about Hillary Clinton? And I know a number of folks who know Hillary Clinton super well and have said that that is actually a serious consideration, that she has actually been talking to people. She feels that she was cheated out of it twice and maybe the third time's the charm for Hillary Clinton. Boy, by the way, wouldn't that be a wild thing to cover? Because we covered it the first time. Remember the two of them? Oh, my God. In fact, I, you know, I interviewed both of them at different times. I've known both of them a long time. I interviewed, I covered the Clinton White House, so know that well. And we've definitely had President Trump on the show. Can you imagine just the headlines and the barbs between the two of them? That would be another matchup for the ages. If it was Biden, it'd be like, ah, oh, can you wake up, President Biden? The debate's about to start. 
But anyway, this is President Biden yesterday in what I thought was a very toxic and blistering speech and completely inappropriate, as I agree with Mitch McConnell for a president. Take a listen. This is Biden and a little bit of his flame throwing again on the issue of voting rights. If you don't vote with them to basically open voting for almost anybody, don't worry about an ID. Don't worry about this. Um, then you're basically a racist. Take a listen. Jim Crow 2.0 is about two insidious things, voter suppression and election subversion. It's no longer about who gets to vote. It's about making it harder to vote. And then he also said democracy is at stake if you don't vote with Joe Biden. Today, we come to Atlanta, the cradle of civil rights, to make clear what must come after that dreadful day when a dagger was literally held at the throat of American democracy. And then he went after the people that were present in Washington on January 6th. And I've said, listen, I didn't like the people that were, you know, rioting and getting into the Capitol and all that stuff. But there were a lot of people that were there in Washington. I mean, there were tens of thousands of people that were there peacefully talking about their support of President Trump, feeling like there were a lot of questions with the votes changing in the middle of the night, with the absentee ballots and all that stuff. And so this is how the president of the United States, who swore that he would be the president for all people, addressed people in America who just have a different view than him, which is disgusting to hear. I couldn't believe he used this tone towards Americans. Take a listen. I know where I stand. I will not yield. I will not flinch. I will defend the right to vote. Our democracy against all enemies, foreign and, yes, domestic. The question is, where will the institution of the United States Senate stand? Every senator, Democrat, Republican, and Independent, will have to declare where they stand. Not just for the moment, but for the ages. Will you stand against voter suppression? Yes or no? That's the question they'll answer which is the biggest bunch of hogwash if you look at what they are trying to push. He is just trying to pander to his base. He is trying to basically try to get a lifeline any way he can. And I feel like his speeches between the January 6th and this speech, the anniversary, you know, that he gave on January 6th, not that long ago, and this speech just sounded like a very angry, very desperate, very frustrated president. And the poll numbers are showing that, too. People aren't buying it when it comes to COVID, the border you, the list goes on and on. Inflation today, where we heard that inflation products are basically going up 7% compared to where they were last year. I mean, this is big time stuff. And this president is at the helm. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Bergen County, who is listening on the WABC app. Go ahead, John. Good evening, Rita. I'm quite surprised at the reaction from yourself and the rest of the, you know, Republicans in this country. Have they not been paying attention? Joe Biden is at the head of the party that brought us Russian collusion, two impeachment trials, the war on the Senate trying to kill the filibuster, the war on the Supreme Court. They are attacking every single institution in this country. Three weeks after he was inaugurated, he called President Trump and his supporters white supremacists. This has been going on for five years minimum. 
So I don't know why anybody is surprised. That's a great point because you're right. He has been saying a lot of this rhetoric, but I feel like he's become much more uh, toxic in the last few weeks. And I also feel, John, that this is a president who said when he was running, he specifically went after the rhetoric of President Trump. He specifically said, I'm going to be a president for all Americans. Remember in his, uh, you know, in his inauguration speech, I'm going to bring everybody together. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, now the light, life is calming down. And yet he has done nothing to condemn the rioters of the summer of 2020, which destroyed cities around the country. The people that have slammed police officers, he's done nothing. And yet if you're not with him and his policies that basically you know, in his attempts to sort of, you know, allow anybody to vote, open borders, everything else, you're a racist. It's disgusting, John, and especially for a person who is running on what he claimed to be a unifying message, John. It's in such stark contrast. As you point out, you're right. Before in the past, he has made other comments, but he claimed to be something different. And that's why many people in the country voted for him, because they thought, OK, we'll bring a unifier in. And this is not a unifier, John. I think when Trump ran against Biden, they ran against his personality. When they run in 2024, Trump is going to run on his record, and he's going to run against Joe Biden's record. I don't care who runs from the Democratic side. They are going to have a yeoman's job ahead of them, and they deserve it. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I absolutely agree. Great call. Thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. And also, we're going to be joined by former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie to get his take on all of this. And also the surging numbers at the border and surging crime. And what did he make of Joe Biden's speech? And does he think Hillary could be running in 2024? Governor Chris Christie after the break and also after our Back the Blue, one of our favorite segments every night here. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a Minnesota police officer has been recognized for his efforts in helping a man who is left unconscious after suffering an electrical shock. Well, the incident actually happened about a year ago, and it happened just before 9 a.m. when Officer Wilson was dispatched in response to a man who was lying unconscious on the ground after receiving an electrical shock while doing landscaping work outside of his home. Now, he arrived at the scene before any other officer, a firefighter, or a paramedic, and he saw several of the man's co-workers trying CPR. He quickly checked for any signs of life, but confirmed that the man had gone into cardiac arrest and had no pulse and was not breathing. He then started life-saving measures, started rescue breathing, chest compressions, uh, even also used an automated external defibrillator to administer a shock and was able to help the victim regain a heartbeat and begin breathing again on his own. Pretty incredible. And he also helped paramedics uh, with oxygen assistance as they prepared to take the man to the hospital. Ultimately, the victim was able to regain consciousness after a short stay in the hospital and is said to be doing fine. And needless to say, Officer Wilson's boss, 
said he wanted to give him the life-saving award, which he just got just a few days ago. And he says that the young man would not have likely survived this incident if it were not for Officer Wilson's quick thinking. And it's a great example of why it is so important to always support our men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about the blistering comments coming from President Biden yesterday over his voting reform bills that many say are not constructive, that basically opened the door to a lot of people, whether they have ID or not, to vote. That doesn't really sound very American or very ethical. But if you listen to President Joe Biden, if you don't side with them, you're essentially a racist, a segregationist. Here's a little bit of his speech. And then we're going to bring in Governor Chris Christie. The consequential moments in history, they present a choice. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide, to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. And joining us now to talk about this is the former governor of New Jersey and also former presidential candidate, Governor Chris Christie. Governor, great to have you here on the show again. Thanks for having me on tonight, Rita. Always happy to be here. Always love having you on, and I can't wait to get your reaction to President Biden's, I thought, highly charged speech on voting rights. What was your reaction? It was awful, and it was packed full of lies. I mean, it's really the only way to put it, Rita. It was full of lies. Um, you know, he is sitting there criticizing the state of Georgia that has double the number of early voting days that his own state of Delaware has. Um, you know, more than the state of New Jersey has, who he's praised our voting uh, laws. Um, this is this is ridiculous, and and it divided the country. And basically, saying that you know anybody who believes that the filibuster is an appropriate way to empower the minority in the United States Senate is a racist, um, comparing those of us who, who support that to Lester Maddox and George Wallace. I mean, this is a guy who ran for president saying he was going to bring us together uh, and that he was going to unite the country and reach across the aisle. He's turned into a liberal flamethrower and liar, and that's exactly what he is. And that's what he did in Georgia yesterday. And that's why, Rita, not even Stacey Abrams would show up at that speech. Yeah, it was interesting that she snubbed him, too, and, and a number of others. You know, Senator Mitch McConnell came out today, Governor Christie, and he said he didn't even recognize this Joe Biden. He even used the phrase, and you know Mitch McConnell, as I have for years, he's usually not so vocal and so spirited, but he's called this profoundly unpresidential. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I agree with Senator McConnell. It is completely unpresidential. And, and, you know, this is where the mainstream media makes me laugh, uh, you know, Rita, because if Donald Trump had gone um, to a blue state when he was president and said some of the very same things that uh, Joe Biden said yesterday, there would be hour long specials on CNN uh, about this um, and saying how he just was destroying our institutions. Yes, somehow when it's Joe Biden, it's uh, not the same treatment. Um, this, this is absurd. And, you know, the, the bottom line is Mitch McConnell was right again, as he often is on these things where there's historical context needed. And I'm glad that we have him down there. And I'll also have to say, 
I thought Mitt Romney gave a great speech on the floor of the Senate yesterday as well, uh, really criticizing the president as well for uh, what he was uh, saying about voting rights. Uh, it's wrong. It's divisive. And it, and it goes down the very same road that they criticized Donald Trump for going down, which was calling into question the validity of our election process. Um, well, and it's, it's interesting, you know, because it's all about voter ID, as you know, Governor. It's like they want no voter ID. They want, you know, more absentee ballots. They want, you know, basically unsecured voting boxes. I mean, it's it's so many of these things, just as you said, that a lot of people say, wait a minute, it's just common sense, I think, to have a voter ID, don't you? Well, I absolutely do, Rita, and I'll give, I'll give you an example. I was in New York City today um, to go to a meeting in an office building. I, I walked in. The guy behind the security desk recognized me, said he was a big fan, asked if he could come around the desk and take a selfie with me. He did. Then he grabbed one of the visitor passes and asked if I would autograph it to him. I did. And then he went back around the desk and asked me for my ID. <laughs> right. And I said, well, you know, I gave, I gave my driver's license. I said, you know, it's funny. I said, you were sure enough that it was me that you took a picture with me and got my autograph. I said, but um, you still ask me for my ID. And he goes, well, it's the rules, Governor. And if we have to do that to go into an office building in New York City, why shouldn't we have to show an ID to prove that we are who we are when we go to exercise our right to vote? It's absurd. And that's why 88 percent of the American people agree um, that we should show ID uh, when we go to vote. And Governor Chris Christie, is it a sign to when to hear this rhetoric from President Biden of desperation, too? Because you're right. It, it, it was basically you're a racist if you're not with them on this issue. Is that a sign that they just see trouble ahead for him in his presidency and in the midterms? Oh, they see huge trouble ahead in the midterms. There was, a, I think, a new poll that came out today, um, uh, Rita. Uh, at least I saw it for the first time today from Quinnipiac, which yep. now has Joe Biden's approval ratings at 33 percent and has his approval among independents <laughs> at 25 percent. I mean, this is a profound change from Election Day 2020. Um, and it's because Joe Biden is governing not the way he promised he would when he ran, but he's governing as an unabashed liberal, woke, out-of-control guy. And the American people look at that and say, this is not what we voted for and not what we want for our country. So I think he is seeing that. What he's trying to do is to arouse his base even more to try to get those numbers up. But there's not enough of those progressives uh, to bring those numbers above, much above where they are right now. He's got to start governing like he promised he would. And if he doesn't, he is going to be a failed Jimmy Carter, one-termer. What do you make of some of the stories in the Wall Street Journal that Hillary Clinton may be toying with a comeback? Rita, as a Republican, you know what I say to that? We could not get that lucky. <laughs> we couldn't get that lucky that we would have Hillary Clinton running for president again. The most disliked major presidential candidate in modern history. Uh, so please, bring it on, Hillary, one more time. Let's give it a try, because you know what? That'll definitely lead to a, a Republican presidency in 2024. Is that a sign, though, too, that Democrats are going, uh, this is not the package right now? Well, it's a sign that, that they're unhappy with how unpopular Biden is right now. But it's also a sign of how dis delusional Hillary Clinton is. The, the thought that she could actually be president of the United States after everything that she's said and done 
Uh, you know, she she is retired. She needs to stay in retirement politically. I want to ask you about uh, some of the issues that have definitely been dogging this president. And you know them well, Governor Christie. Uh, COVID really seems to be a disaster with testing, um, also border. Um, where do you see some of the biggest, I guess, failures of President Biden? I, I would give you three. Um, the first is COVID. The fact that we are two years nearly into this crisis and there are people still waiting online to get tested is outrageous. He, he spent one, he appropriated $1.9 trillion uh, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, nearly a year ago. And we still don't have testing, adequate testing available. Everyone in America should be able to buy as many rapid tests as they want at their local pharmacy or supermarket so that they could test themselves and prevent themselves from spreading this disease to anybody else. And now he talks about wanting more money from Congress. Spend the $1.9 trillion we gave you already before you come back for more. Second, you mentioned the border. And the border, look, what you say in campaigns matters, Rita. He gave an open invitation to anybody to come across the southern border once he was president, and they're following his lead. But not only that, fentanyl is coming over the border, which is even more dangerous than heroin. And we lost between April of last year and April of this year 100,000 Americans to a drug overdose. It's his policies at the border that are contributing mightily to that loss of life in our country. Um, And third, crime in general. Uh, Rita, you know, um, here in New York City, um, the crime situation is is awful, and we're hopeful that the new mayor will be able to bring some common sense back to this a little bit and uh, empower police to do what they need to do and stop these woke prosecutors from refusing to uh, to police uh, crime in our country. Uh, people are scared to walk on the streets in many of our major cities in this country, and it's absolutely uh, Joe Biden's fault. Uh, He and his party have made police seem like the enemy in this country and not the criminals. Uh, And you know what? The people who are committing crimes in this country are the ones who deserve to be put in jail, are the ones to be held account. Our police officers want to do it. And Joe Biden and his crew have discouraged them from doing their jobs. And that's just three, Rita. We could have even more. Yeah, I was going to say, the list could go on and on, Governor Christie. And and you're right about the sort of soft on crime. And in fact... Case in point, the new Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, who is basically reducing penalties, um, you know, as as a great former prosecutor, um, that is basically an open invitation to criminals, too. Uh, no matter how much you have a mayor who's saying, OK, we're going to get tough. But if you have the prosecutor saying to his prosecutors, go light on people, that sends an open invitation, too. Exactly right. And I think you're going to see. A huge political battle in New York City between Mayor Adams and uh, D.A. Bragg, uh, and I and I, you know, I'm just hopeful that that uh, the mayor can can win that fight because um, we need our streets policed, we need violent criminals off the streets, and we need to keep them in jail where they belong. And you know, I'm somebody who did police reform and criminal justice reform when I was governor. But our criminal justice reform said to judges, violent criminals need to stay in jail, and our judges followed that. And that's why we closed two prisons while I was governor of New Jersey, Rita, but crime went down because the people in the prisons were the truly violent ones who were creating the mayhem on the streets in the first place.
that's a great message, but also knew that you were going to be tough on them, too. It's that mixed message of getting the right ones, but being tough on the right ones, too. That's exactly right. And prosecutors need to show absolutely no wiggle room between the law and enforcing the law. And Alvin Bragg already is a joke. Uh, And listen, this is what we get from these George Soros prosecutors. George Soros and his money, his dirty, poisoned money, is is ruining our criminal justice system across this country. Yeah, no doubt. Um, And Governor Christie, I want to also hit on a little bit more about fentanyl with you, too, because you really took on opioids when you were governor and were very successful at this. Um, You pointed out fentanyl is now, by the way, and I know you know this, the number one cause of death among U.S. adults ages 18 to 45. Um, explain why the border really is the key, because it's that combination. It's Mexico. It's also China, um, you know, tying in with this, too, as well. But it's really that open border policy that has allowed this, which is killing our American people. Well, it allows um, Central American drug dealers to use Mexico as a highway to get their drugs into the United States. And so, Rita, I think we have to do three things. First, we have to secure our border. Um, and, and let people know that this is not a freeway into the United States with, with uh, fentanyl and other drugs. Second, we need to get tougher on China in this regard. Uh, China has, is sending that in. That's an act of war by China. They are sending in lethal weapons into this country to kill our people, and we need to treat them as such. Um, and third, we need to get smarter about treatment in this country. Uh, We need to make sure that medication-assisted treatment for those who do get addicted is widely available to folks so that we can get people back on the right path and we can get people to, you know, lower demand. But the only way to do that is to help people get them treatment. Uh, And so we need to do all three of those things in conjunction. If we do all three, we can make a difference in stopping the rate of death that we see right now. Well, and you know it all too well. Um, You did a superb job at reining that in when you were governor. Um, and also being a tough prosecutor, too, which is an important message, both of them, right now. Governor Chris Christie, always love having you on, and you got to come back on again soon, my friend. Rita, anytime you call, I'm happy to be on. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, look, you're doing an important service for the people um, who listen to you every night. Bring some truth into this world right now that is just full of partisanship and lies. Thank you for doing that. And always great to have Governor Chris Christie on here and get his perspectives on so many of these important issues. What are your thoughts also about the problems that Biden is facing? Uh, you just heard from Governor Christie, him talking, of course, about the border being a huge issue. Fentanyl, boy, those numbers are skyrocketing. Crime across the country. And we've got a soft on crime prosecutor like Alvin Bragg. We're going to talk about that in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby show. But also when you look at Joe Biden, his message is just all over the place. Um, and now his speech is just so rhetoric, so filled with inflammatory language. And so much so that people are saying, hey, maybe it might be Hillary Clinton running on the Democratic side in 2024. You just heard Governor Chris Christie's take. What do you think? And do you think that Biden is in big time trouble, even within his own party? The poll numbers show it. And I agree. It's 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC.
Biden may want a freeze frame of his speech yesterday, but boy, was it inflammatory. And yet, Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat, said, you know what? He's hoping by stepping up the ante that maybe he can convince fellow Democrats to vote for their version of voting reform. We're having a lot of serious, long and intense meetings with Senators Manchin and Cinema. Uh, last night, nine senators met with Senator Cinema for two and a half hours. This morning, nine senators and I met with Senator Manchin um, for an hour. Yet, Senator Barrasso, Republican, said Biden is just out of touch with the American voters. He is tone deaf if he believes that changing election laws is what the American people are looking to in leadership right now. And let's go to your calls, 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Tim in Oakland. Go ahead, Tim, your thoughts about this. Hi, Rita. I'd like to make a comment generally about Biden's speech. It was all emotion and inflammatory rhetoric. That is the only persuasive method he had. If he spoke specific uh, about the voter bill, uh, facts and so forth, he'd undermine the own, his own bill. Also, he made a statement that everybody deserves to be treated equally during his speech. Yet his own FDA is prioritizing treatment based on race. And, and on that fact, why is it that there is a why is it that there's not enough treatment to go around? He's had a year to do that, and certainly there was money allocated for it. So I I just find the whole thing ridiculous. And and Tim, by the way, I hear you on a lot of that. Thank you for the call. But I hear you because you're right. Some of the stuff that came out recently is that race should play a factor in some of the health care decisions. And you're right. I mean, that's so over the top. And his also his comments, like you said, had he really gone through it and said, we want no voter ID. I mean, anybody who has worked hard and, and look, you know, Chris Christie just brought up a great example. You know, he said that, you know, look, he went to a meeting and they said, hey, you know, can I take a picture of you? I know who you are, Chris Christie. And, and yet I need you need to show an ID to get into the building. You go into any place, you know, in America, basically, right now you got to show, you know, either your license or you got to show a vax card even. And yet we're supposed to say the right of voting is not that important that you don't have to show an ID. That is outrageous. So you're right on the merits. If he actually came out and said, hey, here on the merits, here's what the bill really actually says. Someone would go, wait a minute. Well, that doesn't sound like voter integrity. That sounds like just kind of letting anybody vote. That seems like, you know, like uh, what's happening in a lot of places across the country with flights coming in the middle of the night and people are shaking their heads, you know, with people who cross the border and saying, oh, well, why don't you let them vote? But you're right. He's not talking about the merits. He has to talk with inflammatory rhetoric just to overreach it, just like Governor Chris Christie was talking about. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls about his speech. And also, if you think Hillary is a viable option for 2024, they're actually talking about it. So are some of her aides. And I say, don't rule it out that she may not try to run. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the floor. Hillary Clinton may be gearing up for the third time. The third time is the charm, maybe she thinks. And a number of people, even within the Democratic Party, are pushing for this because they're saying, hey, wait a minute. Look at Joe Biden, who is doing so poor in the ratings. And even the latest poll numbers are showing him tanking with independence. That is not good. And he really sounded like he was just over the top yesterday. Here's again some of the reaction to some of the people who have said that, boy, they couldn't recognize this Joe Biden, including Mitch McConnell, who just thought he was just so over the top. This is not the guy that he has known for decades. And this is the reaction from Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger, who said that Biden is just over the top and his rhetoric was more divisive than any president she's ever heard. If you do not agree with this administration, they will mock you, they will tell you you're wrong, and the media just magnifies that message. And that isn't right. You know, the American people are not stupid people. We see through this. And Congressman Steve Scalise, remember, who, boy, has he seen division. Remember, he was shot on that ball field um, by a Bernie Sanders supporter, remember, years ago. He said that this is unbelievable rhetoric, and he also said, to the last caller's point, you guys called up and talked about, listen, Biden isn't talking about the content of the voting bill. He says, listen, the content of the bill is about no IDs. And how could that have any voice, how could that have any voter integrity? Taking away picture ID and mandating same-day voter registration and taking away the ability of states to ensure the integrity of the vote is a recipe for voter fraud. That's not where most people want to go. And he says that this is just extreme, hardcore left politics and sort of par for the course with the party that has been pushing for critical race theory, par for the course with the party that has been basically labeling parents who've been speaking out against it as domestic terrorists. And that's why some even in the Democratic Party, are saying, well, maybe we need somebody like a Hillary Clinton, who, by the way, if you listen to some of her recent interviews, she's trying to sound more like a moderate. Listen to Hillary Clinton not that long ago when she was on NBC with Willie Geist. I think that it it is um, a time for uh, some, you know, careful thinking about what wins elections and not just in deep blue districts where uh, a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win. First of all, we don't know what the state of the map is going to be after all of the redistricting. It appears as though the Republicans in a number of states are doing their best to eliminate uh, as many seats that Democrats can be uh, competitive in. Uh, And so we've got to be very clear-eyed about what it's going to take to hold the House and the Senate in 2022 and to win the Electoral College because also Republicans are doing everything they can to um, create an environment in which winning the Electoral College, uh, even narrowly the way Joe Biden did, will be out of reach for a Democrat. So I understand why people want to argue for their priorities. That's what they believe they were elected to do. 
But at the end of the day, nothing is going to get done if you don't have a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate. And our majority comes from people who win in much more difficult districts. And our majority in the Senate comes from people who can win in not just blue states and hold those wins, as we saw didn't happen in Virginia, um, but can win in uh, more purplish uh, states. And yet this is the woman who basically said the Trump supporters are a basket of deplorables. But it's a sign that there is a lot of trouble within the Democratic Party. There is no doubt about that. And if you look at some of the polls and some of the things we were just talking with Governor Chris Christie about here on the Rita Cosby show between the issue with the border, between the issue with crime, between the issue with the lack of of coordination with COVID. He finally just appoints a COVID czar. It's, you know, two weeks after one of the worst waves ever. And now finally, after being in office for about a year, he finally puts in a COVID czar and somebody to try to put some control and testing. And so many of these issues right now are facing this president. And all he's doing is saying, Either you're with me or you're a racist. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Evan in New Jersey. Your thoughts about all this, Evan. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Hi. Um, Well, I would just say that this Biden, he seems like a raving lunatic. I mean, putting it mildly, uh, you have to question question his judgment. What he said was total demagoguery. And also the way he said it was totally... Uh, ridiculous. He seems so unpresidential. The total, he, he's just a raving lunatic. I don't know how to tell you, tell you otherwise. And uh, so you, it presents a danger to this country. I can imagine that in, a, in the Afghanistan scenario, this guy said something that the generals probably were astonished with, and yet they uh, didn't uh, want to uh, push him back on this anyway. And it's, so as such, it's presenting a real a real danger to this country. Yeah, I agree. Some I think I think some of the comments are so out of line, so unpresidential and the fact that he would say if, you know, if you don't agree with no voter ID, then you're racist. I mean, I mean, it defies logic. It, it is just it's so disgusting, it's so horrible. And he has constantly said misstatements or lies. You know, when you even talk about Afghanistan, oh, we're not going to leave anybody behind. Well, they did. Nobody told me to, you know, pull out a Bagram, you know, that that'd be a problem pulling out a Bagram. Well, they did. Nobody told me that we should leave forces on the ground. Well, they did. The list goes on and on and on. And the border is wide open while he's telling Americans to vax up. It's just the, the contrast is so disgusting and the alienation is just so disgusting. Evan, thanks so much. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side. Mike, your thoughts about this. How are you, Rita? Yeah, that rhetoric is almost like the rhetoric where he said to the uh, the black people and the people of color, he says, if you're not black, uh, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. That's right. If you ain't, you're right. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black, right? That was his thing. Yeah. And, and like he thinks that, you know, that, that African-Americans and Latinos and other people don't have their own mind, their own opinion. And by the way, African-Americans and Latinos, they want voter integrity, too. They want to know that their vote counts and that people who are supposed to be voting are supposed to be voting, you know? That's right. And, and Rita, you know, the Democrats and, 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 the, and the communists have one thing in common. 
they know they can control people when they got them fearful and confused. And everything that's happening, the crime, the drugs, uh, the, the COVID, everything they brought up, brought on us to control us. And they know people are going to be fearful. And when people are fearful, they're easily controlled. And this is the whole thing. They want the they want all of this. Well, so, that's why it's important yeah. for people to speak out, Mike. Great points, Mike. Thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Joe in Long Island. And Joe, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, how are you, Rita? Yeah, he's definitely uh, unpresidential. It's amazing. Uh, and uh, he's dividing this country from within. And uh, people are dying every day to come here. Uh, how bad can uh, our country, America, be, you know? That's a great point. And listen, it is still the greatest country in the world. But yes, he seems to continue trashing it. And you know what was interesting yesterday, Joe, in his speech? And I remember talking about this last night. One of the comments he said is when he goes overseas, um, people say, oh, America's back. But for how long? And I'm thinking, what world leader says that to him? You know, like uh, only 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 somebody who's happy to take advantage of America. It seems like the people are pushing him to keep tripping up. It's like amazing. Like they, they want him to get impeached. His own people. Yeah, they, I think I think they realize that that he is not the person to galvanize their party, um, and he's a poor messenger. And I think he's he seems like just a bitter old angry man right now. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Hudson in the Bronx, who's listening on the WABC app. Go ahead, Hudson. Hey, Rita. Okay, if you can let me finish my theory, because a light bulb went off today. That doesn't happen often. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, if you got a light bulb that goes off, go ahead. We'll let it go, Hudson. (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) So so I know there's a word for this where, uh, and I don't know the word, um, where people, like, push something on you, they push something on you, and then when they realize they went too far and you've accepted just enough, then they pull back, and then they take a pause, and then they push something on you again. So my theory is that they push so much stuff on us. You mentioned everything before with the critical race theory, with the borders, with, with, with the, the pipeline, everything. They knew that Biden was never going to run for a second term. This man doesn't come up with his own thoughts. He doesn't say his own words. All this is on purpose. They throw him out on that stage. That speech yesterday was all on purpose. So this whole media thing that went on the past 24 hours, they can introduce the Hillary. So now it's the plan where, hey, this guy's crazy. We're not crazy. Oh, that's interesting. So this is sort of part of an orchestrated plan. Is that what the light bulb was was giving you, Hudson? Rita, if I can tell you how rarely that light bulb goes off, this is this is a moment that we're having right now. So so (laughs) he they're going to they're going to do this. They're going to make him seem crazier and crazier. And then whatever, it's going to keep going. And then they're going to find their contender. I mean, I hope it's not Hillary. But if their contender is somebody, they're going to push them, like you just said a couple minutes ago, as the moderate. And they're going to be like, hey, guys, listen, Biden was nuts. But we're not like that anymore. We're not going to do this stuff anymore. You vote us in again. And I promise you, we're going to be the moderate contenders. And then once they get in again, they're going to push it more and more. That's interesting. So that was like Crazy Joe's ideas. Um, That's interesting. So he could be sort of the fall guy is what you're saying, Hudson, that he would be the guy who they could say, oh, well, we weren't really pushing. It's interesting, though, because he is, if you look at the Democratic Party right now, they are in such a disarray, guys, because you see such an internal fight that's going on. You've got, you know, these ultra lefties. You've got the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Stacey Abrams and these others. (laughs) 
who are saying, you know, he's not pushing hard enough. They wish that the speech he gave yesterday was a speech that he would give like every day. They want more. And then you've got the others who are trying to look like the ones who are more moderate. But you're right. It might all be a big old guys and we're all falling for it. Uh, that could be part of the deal. Who knows? Uh, let's go to Audrey in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Audrey, your thoughts. Uh, you heard what Hudson had to say. That was interesting. What do you think, Audrey? Well, first of all, good evening. Um, thanks for taking my call. I don't agree. You're I welcome. A, You're welcome. I have a problem because um, are you familiar with the 15th and 15, 19, 26th Amendment? Okay, all that Biden says really is been misconstrued. I, I've been voting for the past 51 years because my grandmother said I had to vote. Good. I, I love your grandmother. I love her. Bravo. <laughs> but what's the problem with, with, with what Biden said? I don't understand because what he said was true. It's not about um, the, the not having ID. What um, you need to folks need to is a new law that was passed in Georgia, the SB 202, where you have to have a certain amount, certain ID that they say. Okay, and the the rules are changing. I don't think it's fair that any state should be um, in control, particularly it's a Republican thing that control voting. Because no, did you know, Audrey? By the way, did you know one of the other things that they're after that Biden's after is wanting more early days and saying that if you don't get the and and let me tell you, but 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 hang on one second in Georgia they have seventeen days right now. They don't have anything like that in Delaware. I mean, no, so that so anymore. that that is that is the fact, Audrey. So the problem they don't is have that anymore the, in Georgia. The, the law was changed. Well, and here's one of the other that, but but it is right now. It's 17 days right now in Georgia. So that's that's a big difference. Georgia is actually more open to early voting and longer after voting than Delaware is his own state. But you never hear it. So if he's going to talk about the merits. He's got to put them up on the stage and say, okay, here they are. And, and the, a, a logical person would go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. That's why this is all politics, Audrey, all politics. But thank you very much. I love the call. Let's go to David in New Jersey. Go ahead, David, your thoughts. Thank you, Rita. I appreciate taking my call. I wish to say that, yes, that what President Biden said yesterday was tragically uh, ridiculous and unpresidential and one interesting point about crime that's going on in the country a lot of people are always talking about that communist district attorney in uh manhattan and all the other communists yeah and we're going to get to him a little later in the show too by the way david (laughs) okay well i appreciate that but one of the more immediate things that could help the crime problem and your last guest the infamous gun grabber chris christie never lifted a finger to support the Second Amendment. And I can give you the docket number of the case that when you question him about it, after you do a little research, I hope, Christie will clam up. Christie had eight years and didn't do SWAT, and a lot of other people in a lot of good states. What are you referring to on gun rights? Is that what you're talking about? Because because he he is a supporter of the Second Amendment. No, he is not. not. And I can prove it. I can give you the docket number right now, and I encourage everyone listening to research it. Okay. And and by the way, I I will ask him about it next time I talk to him. Um, But, David, let me ask you on this issue um, on Biden and on Hillary Clinton. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I hope Hillary runs. I'll give Christie credit there. I think it would be hilarious if she did. Although that old adage, be careful what you wish for. 
Um, personally, given the gun grabbers that are rampant in the Democrat and sadly the Republican Party, who's to honestly say? Um, the docket number, if you like, is 16-3173, Federal Court, the Third Circuit. The plaintiff's name was Nicholas Papura. Well, and and, and David, do me a favor. You can give this to my call screener. I'll let you give that information to him. Um, and uh, and I do appreciate your call. I appreciate hearing from everybody. But but he listen. He has very much been a staunch supporter of the Republican Party and of gun rights. But but we'll take a look at it for sure and stay on. And we'll give you. You can give my call screener all the information on that. And we'll make sure we get to it another time too. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, about this. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Hillary Clinton in twenty twenty four. After Biden's dismal speech yesterday that I thought was one of the most divisive, one of the most, you know, unbelievably toxic speeches. But it also shows that Biden's in trouble, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Money, take me home tonight. By the way, backup was Ronnie Spector, who also, of course, was lead singer of the Ronettes, who passed away today at the age of 78 um, and was part of so many, many big hits through the years when you think about it. Um, speaking of someone who may want to take everybody home and take them to the polls is Hillary Clinton. And that's because there is word that she may be eyeing a run for 2024. Smelling, if you will, uh, blood in the water, because if you look at Joe Biden and his totally dismal poll numbers, now 33 percent approval rating in the latest Quinnipiac poll, that is dismal. Twenty five percent amongst independents. That's the key number, because that's a number who a lot of people think those are the ones you can kind of sway one way or the other, depending on the candidate. And she is saying, well, maybe this is my time to go for a third time for president. What do you think? Is that just kind of throwing it out there to put Biden in line after what I thought was a horrible speech yesterday? Also, Kamala Harris, who is doing terrible in the polls as well. Or do you think that that is really where the Democratic Party is headed? That maybe Hillary Clinton, we might see a Hillary Clinton Trump matchup in 2024. Can you imagine that again? Uh, think about that. I was there in Vegas during the debate. I remember the debate that took place. Uh, that was wild. So we could see that again. And Hillary Clinton is trying to look like she is more moderate. But who can forget some of the divisive comments that she has made? We were talking about Biden's divisive comments, but this is probably one of her most divisive comments that she made. And this was in 2016 on the campaign trail. And boy, did this come back to bite her. Take a listen to her basket of deplorables comment. You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are 
people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to only have 11,000 people, now have 11 million. He tweets and retweets. They're offensive, hateful, mean-spirited rhetoric. Now some of those folks, they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not American. But the other basket, the other basket, and I know because I look at this crowd, I see friends from all over America here. I see friends from Florida and Georgia and South Carolina and Texas and as well as, you know, New York and California. But that other basket of people are people who feel the government has let them down, the economy has let them down, Nobody cares about them. Nobody worries about what happens to their lives and their futures. And they're just desperate for change. It doesn't really even matter where it comes from. They don't buy everything he says, but he seems to hold out some hope that their lives will be different. That they won't wake up and see their jobs disappear. Lose a kid to heroin. Feel like they're at a dead end. Those are people we have to understand and empathize with as well. Wow. Half of Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. So it's either divisive Joe or divisive Hillary. Or do you want Kamala Harris, who says that basically all of the police are essentially part of a racist System. What are your thoughts? 1 800 848 Let's go to Alex in Westchester. Go ahead, Alex. Your thoughts. Hey, um, thanks for taking my call. I just want to respectfully disagree with you, Rita. I'm a big fan of yours, so I say this with the utmost respect. But uh, Biden is not a poor messenger. Um, it's not divisive Hillary or divisive Joe or divisive Kamala. It, the whole party has gone off the rails. There's nobody that you're going to point to in the Democratic Party that isn't going to be divisive and, you know, race baiting. Uh, I mean, look, look at what Biden's done. We've got gas prices through the roof, inflation at 7 percent, millions of dollars of our military equipment dumped in Afghanistan. Our people left behind enemy lines. Uh, you know, COVID crisis gone off the rails. We've got a crisis at the border. And all they want to talk about that whole party is race politics, yeah, I mean, no, that's a great point. You know, but Alex, let me give you an, uh, an alternative. What about Joe Manchin? I don't see the rest of the Democratic Party going behind him, but I haven't heard him with sort of this race baiting rhetoric. Have you? I, I bet you there are, are moderates in there that are cringing, but they're not going to be brave enough to stand up to the bullies. And that whole party has allowed itself to be hijacked by far left bullies and mean spirited just looney tune people that are that are it's not even just mean spirited that's lightly said they they really want to complete i mean if you literally if you disagree with anything they say you are a racist you are a homophobe and by the way i'm a lesbian okay not all of us are drinking this crazy kool-aid uh there's no step you can take you know to the right no matter how minor where they're not going to automatically 
write you off as a bad person that they're coming after. And isn't that sad, Alex? And Alex, that boy is that sad, you know. Um, But I think you I think you hit it on the head so perfectly. You're right that the whole party has moved to this ultra left um, like just like everything is about race. Um, and if you don't vote it, you're, you're a racist, you're this, you're that, you're, you're, uh, it's just horrible rhetoric. And it's as my way or the highway. And we're seeing it infiltrated in everything, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in the critical race theory in schools, um, whether it's, uh, in the voting, if you don't agree, if you have a problem with open borders and people, you know, being flown in the middle of the night to different cities like Westchester, where you're from, uh, then you're a racist, you know, it's like, uh, but you better vax up. It's like the this total, like, dichotomy and double standard. And you're right, the whole party has been just hijacked by it. And you're right. I I, I brought up Manchin just, you know, as an interesting point, because there are these moderates, but you're right, I don't see those people rising in the party and being pushed within the party. They seem to be happy with these extremists. And sadly, um, you know, for the Democratic Party, um, it's not only hurting America, it's hurting the Democratic Party, too. And it's hurting everybody. And it's hurting anybody who wants to, like, disagree with them or speak out. Um, they get brandished with this just horrible smears. And that's a sad place to be because we're all Americans. Um, Alex, great call. Thank you so much. And everybody, when we come back... Um, We're going to talk a little bit about crime and some of these ultra-left policies that Alex is talking about. Alvin Bragg, basically, uh, his policies now can be credited with helping a uh, multi-convict, somebody who threatened a drugstore worker with a knife. And guess what? The judge in court basically said, hey, you're lucky that this happened now under a new DA. Boy, did you get lucky today. Can you imagine that? We're going to see more of this to come. A guy who actually is a repeat robber now charged with a misdemeanor. Boy, is this the liberal left in action. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful high honor in Alabama for a World War II veteran who was captured by the Nazis and became a prisoner of war. Now, the honor took place at a retirement community in Tuscaloosa, and the star of the show was a guy named Hal Dabbs. Hal Dabbs is now 98 years old. He was drafted in 1943, and he fought on the front lines in Europe during World War II. He was later captured by the Nazis and sent to Germany. And the Association of the U.S. Army West Central Alabama chapter of a number of different organizations recognized Dab's sacrifice, his courage, and his heroism. Dab said he was extremely surprised because he didn't think many people would show up, and it turned out to be a full house. By the way, the 9th U.S. Army liberated the POW camp, which included Dab's, on April 12th. 1945. And what a beautiful way to honor one of the great members of the greatest generation. Well, I care so much about this country. Both of you, uh, you know, everybody knows that. I love this country. I appreciate the values of this country. I appreciate what it means to be an American. Uh, My own father was a Nazi prisoner of war who couldn't wait to come to America because he loved it. 
Um, but my father was also someone who deeply appreciated law and order. And now I got a lot of questions. We were talking with Chris Christie earlier in the show, too, about this, because Alvin Braggs, the new Manhattan D.A., boy, is he going soft on crime. And to me, I feel like his policies and the policies of a lot of guys like this are really degrading the city and degrading the country and not protecting citizens. That is the first basically important step of any politician, of anybody who is defending America and protecting America. And by the way, there's been a swarm of police officers that have been leaving the force. I just saw this story is so sad. Um, There are right now, it's about 750,000 officers in America today, um, across the country we're talking about. About last year, there were about 850,000. So they have lost 100,000 officers across the country. And a lot of people believe it's due to this sort of soft on crime policies. They lock people up and then they show up again, you know, back out on the streets a couple of days later because of these light policies of prosecutors like Alvin Braggs at a time where murders are up in New York, robberies are up, shootings are up. And now it looks like there's a criminal who benefited from some of the soft on crime policies from Alvin Bragg. First of all, here's a little bit of Alvin Bragg defending his policies of basically reducing some of the crimes that were felonies now to misdemeanors, basically, you know, uh, also resisting arrest of an officer. That's no longer a crime. Robbery, armed robbery. That's just a misdemeanor. Take a listen to his interview that he did not too long ago with Fox's Eric Sean. Would these policies give criminals a green light? No. I mean, it, it, it just depends upon your definition of a criminal. Uh, and for all too long, we kind of dealt with this othering of, you know, anyone we put in jail is a, a criminal. Well, you know what? We're putting in jail homeless people who um, uh, literally, in one example, use a, one counterfeit to buy food and toothpaste. Uh, got a sentence of four to eight years. So if, if that's your definition of a criminal, uh, I, I suggest we need to really reorder ourselves. And here's a little more of him saying we have to be sympathetic to criminals. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest and people say, well, how did this happen? How did that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times where that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. He doesn't understand the pushback. And this is what the founder of Blue Lives Matter New York has to say about Alvin Bragg and his policies. This guy's a clown, and the number one priority of any district attorney is to be impartial in enforcing the law, not going on live TV and a national stage telling the criminals that we won't enforce them. How are you going out there and telling the public that we're not enforcing illegal guns, which the new mayor is saying we have to enforce it? It's going against everything the new mayor is saying. It's got to stop, Todd, and this is the reason why individuals need to get off their butts, go to the polls, and vote real common-sense individuals into office. Yeah, scary, scary times. Um, and by the way, uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Andrew Giuliani, um, who, along with Curtis Sliwa, have been sort of leading the effort to try to gain traction over basically finding an ouster, some sort of a recall effort uh, of Alvin Bragg. And we're going to talk with gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani about this, because, boy, is this an important issue. And it is outrageous when you hear 
of what's been happening. And here is the latest case in point. Um, this is a criminal. His name is 43-year-old William Roland. He is basically a career criminal who's had a history of tons of different arrests through the years. Um, 43 years old. Again, he allegedly threatened a Lower East Side Dwayne Reed store worker with a knife after she saw him filling a plastic trash bag with more than $2,000 worth of items. He was arrested when he went back to the same store for allegedly trying to steal more items later that day. So this guy shows up again uh, with a knife, remember, and gets busted finally. Thank goodness. Cops charge him with first-degree robbery and criminal possession of a weapon. So he has to go appear before the court. He appears before Manhattan criminal court judge Jay Weiner, who said a case that two weeks ago would have been charged as a robbery now is basically changed. You're now not charged with robbery. You're charged with a misdemeanor here because the newly elected district attorney has new policies. Isn't that stunning? And this judge further added, I don't know if anyone would ever feel lucky standing in front of me in a courtroom, but you might feel reasonably lucky today. How stunning is that, that this career criminal who shows up with a knife threatening a Dwayne Reed worker after robbing the store of more than $2,000 worth of goods has a career history And after all that, because of the timing of when he's arrested and because he goes before a judge who's clearly aware of now Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg's new policies of being soft on crime and light on the criminal, he basically tells the criminal, you're lucky. Today, you're not charged with a robbery because guess what? Alvin Bragg's in office. You're just charged with a misdemeanor. Have a good day. How insulting is this for good law-abiding citizens in New York and across the country, guys? This is the kind of policies that is frightening. And it's happening in New York. It's happening in Los Angeles. It's happening in Philly. And it's happening in San Francisco. And these are the kind of policies that really are going to hurt New York no matter what. You hear a lot of the strong rhetoric and some comments from Eric Adams and others who are trying to turn this city around. And then you got a DA like this who clearly has sent a signal to judge who would say, by the way, any other time I would have thrown the book at you. But you're lucky because now Alvin Bragg is the DA. And what does that mean for anybody who's busted now? Is that the message who goes before any judge? Alvin Bragg's the DA. Good luck, everybody. Have a good time. How scary is that? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island, who's listening on Alexa. Go ahead, Pete. Hi, Rita. Yeah, that thing with uh, Briggs. I mean, you know, you can't go light on crime. You know, most of the people that uh, are homeless in the city, I would say, I'll take a gamble at saying 70% of them are veterans. And the biggest problem to apply for benefits, there's a lot of paperwork. You know, the idea they should put people out there to be advocates to help these people with the paperwork. And even that ain't the answer because a lot of questions people take as personal, like the date of birth. I have friends of mine that lie when they're born. 
that because if you have the, the, your date of birth, it's used for everything. You go get a prescription at the pharmacy. And, the and Pete, no, Pete, I hear you. But, but to me, that's different if someone is homeless. There's a big difference between a homeless veteran and you're right. It breaks my heart when I see the signs of people saying, you know, homeless veteran, and you could tell that, you know, that they were a veteran. Sometimes people put up these phony signs, but yeah, I feel like a lot of them are genuinely, and it's, and it's heartbreaking. But there's a big difference between that and someone who is a career criminal going in and robbing and bringing out a knife on someone who tries to stop them. And then you're not even throwing the book at them. And they're basically saying, hey, you got lucky. I mean, what message does that send to criminals, especially repeat offenders that are, you know, holding knives up to, uh, you know, drugstore workers, Pete? Yeah, that, uh, I mean, you know, what deters crime is punishment. And, you know, you're actually giving them a free ride. This is horrible. It you know, is. And, I, and to uh, hear a judge, Pete, did you the judge actually to say this is a quote from the transcript from the official transcript, according to The New York Post. It says that the judge says, uh, you know, you might reasonably feel lucky today. Basically, the newly elected district attorney has new policies and you're not charged with robbery. You're charged with a misdemeanor. You held up a knife to a drugstore worker after you robbed them earlier in the day of $2,000 worth to come back again. And that's not robbery. That's just a small slap on the wrist. Um, Pete, it is. It's so disconcerting. Thanks so much. And I think it's so shameful and it's so disturbing for New York City. Uh, let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, your thoughts. Yeah, we are being dismantled. George Soros the communist. He's working all around the country, all around the world. He's pushing the Marxist agenda. Yeah, he's funding these DAs. He's funding these DAs like Bragg. But you get these DAs become Marxist from college. You got the communist professors. This is a major attack. You brought up Hillary before, Hillary running for president. When Hillary and Bill Clinton were in the White House, they had a communist guru, Michael Lerner. He was one of the leaders of Students for Democratic Society. That's Tom Hayden. That's Jane Fonda. I mean, this stuff is very serious. And Chris Christie and Mitt Romney, for them to complain now about Biden, when the race was between Biden and Trump, Romney and Chris Christie were attacking Trump. So they helped Biden get in office. They got nerve now complaining about Biden. And Biden's speech, Biden is a unifier. He's, he's unifying the Marxist, the Stalinist, the Leninist, the Trotskyites, the Maoist. This is a movement. It's a massive movement. This is no. A I, and listen, situation. Jimmy, I hear you. I, and by the way, also, uh, you know, Chris Christie, you're right, has taken some swipes at Trump, but he also did also prepare him for the debates. Remember, he was his, his debate prepper too, as well. So he has also been helpful to him and and been helpful very much to the Democratic Party. Uh, but it, it is it is shocking all of this stuff. Let's go to Frank in Bangor, Maine, who's listening on the WABC app. And everybody, you can listen to us on the WABC app on the App Store or also Google Play. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, good good evening, Rita. Great listening to you way up here in in God's country. You know, Rita, by the by the way, I love Maine. I want you to know it, it is it is God's country. It's so gorgeous, Frank. I'm so you glad know, you called. This this is vacation land up here, and I mean it. Um, you know, Rita, I was a New York City teacher for 25 years. In the minute I retired, and I taught in a good school. I taught in Stuyvesant, but the the 
The minute I got my 25, I took off. I seen the writing on the wall, and this man, Bragg, is just the, the, the icing on the cake. New York City is being destroyed from not only the inside the school system, but from the outside with this man. And I've seen, in my last two years of school before I retired, I seen people coming into Stuyvesant who didn't belong there. And I, I don't mean any child can't learn, because every child can learn, but I mean, I mean, they were throwing kids into this school that were, that were 18, 19, 20 years old saying, oh, you could teach them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> now, we had, we had a, a certain amount of kids in that school that were really, really bright. And we had a combined, we had a certain amount of kids that, you know, needed to help. But these kids, they were, they were part of a system that, that, were, that was the beginning of, well, let anybody come in. Let anybody come in, and then everybody could be taught. And, and we couldn't do it anymore. The this, this school started getting disciplinary problems, and nobody was addressing them, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. By the, and by the way, by the way, it is tough being a teacher. You're right with that kind of like, you know. But, but you hit a good point because unless you kind of rein it in and you have a system that helps rein it in, Frank, as you were dealing with even in school – you got to have the same system in place here, too. And, you know, Eric Adams can sit and say, oh, yeah, you know, we want to be tough on crime. We want to do this. We want to turn New York City around. Um, and he has said a lot of this. Listen, former police captain and all that stuff. He can say all that. But then if you've got a D.A., like in this case, the cops bust the guy. He gets charged with first-degree robbery and criminal possession of a weapon, you know, a whole bunch of these things, right? And then the judge basically says, hey, it's your lucky day. Alvin, you know, Alvin Bragg's now the DA. I mean, he literally came right out and said that the newly elected DA has new policies and we have to follow it. So uh, that, you know, his hands are tied. And boy, is this tough times for people, all of us in New York and all of us around the country, because Alvin Bragg exemplifies, I think, the most lenient on criminals. And there's a lot of DAs like him across the country. And that spells trouble, I think, for so many people. People have to speak out. And again, tomorrow night, by the way, again, everybody, we're going to have Andrew Giuliani on the show, who is trying to do his hardest, along with Curtis Lewa, um, to try to turn this around and to try to get some sort of an ouster of the embattled Manhattan DA. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow night on the show. And everybody, when we come back... We'll be talking with Dominic Carter to get a preview of his awesome show. His show starts, of course, here at midnight on 77 WABC. And then after Dominic is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, who's got a whole bunch of awesome guests tonight. He's talking about UFOs, Russia, Ukraine, and a whole bunch more. A great lineup here on 77 WABC. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Carter, who has an awesome show coming up at midnight. What you got on tap, my friend? Hey, Rita, is that is that Linda Ronstadt? I'm I'm guessing here, but is, is that who is the uh, singer on the song? It absolutely is. Lovely. Oh, Here's wow. a little bit more. Here's a little bit more. 
Dominic Carter. <laughs> with Rita Cosby. Dude, how are you, my friend? And you Rita. know what? I am definitely not falling in love with Alvin Bragg, as you can tell. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> you know, it, this is crazy. Can you believe a judge actually basically said, hey, you're lucky. Right. You, I'm aware you, of it. You got I'm busted. You know, yes, you got yes, busted yes, now. Yes, yes, Um You know, I, I've been talking about the new district attorney for uh, a good deal of the week. And so I'm going to try it a different way, a different spin on this situation in terms of I'm going to focus on a construction worker. And this happened last Friday. But this and I'm asking the question, is this the new New York, a construction worker who was doused with possible bleach and stabbed twice after he rebuffed a uh, panhandler in Times Square. So all the man, now he may have used colorful language to say no, but all he said was no to a female panhandler. He goes into the drugstore, Rita, comes out, and when he comes out, she has a man with her. He throws the liquid in his face, uh, pushes him to the ground, and and they're tangling all on video, tangling uh, together on the floor. And this man could have put bleach in his eyes all because he said, no, I'm not going to give you any money. Yeah, it is scary. And that's why, you know, it is so important to send a message to be tough on crime. And, you know, even though we were talking about it, you know, some of the callers were saying, Dominic, well, you know, sometimes people are homeless, they're this, they're that. Um, but often people who are on the street, and you see a lot of them in New York these days. I sadly think there are a lot of examples of that where people are either have the mental illness or are on drugs um, and have so many of these problems. And New York has just, the quality of life has really gone downhill. And what a sad example um, to, to indicate where we're at right now, where just things are just so degraded. And those kind of stories like that and what's happened in Times Square, you know, over the last few months and things like that. Absolutely. People see that, Dominic, and I, I love New York. I love our city. But people see that and say, well, maybe I don't want to come to New York for a vacation. Maybe, maybe I don't want to visit, you know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, Rita, I, I don't see this in, 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 in some examples as mental illness. If you if if the woman goes and and the panhandler and gets her boyfriend or whoever this man may have been, and you intentionally throw a liquid in someone's face, possibly bleach, you know exactly what you're doing. But that's Rita. That story one of three, of three that I'm going to focus on uh, uh, tonight. There was a carjacking tonight. Yep. Uh, and they're driving the car up the wrong way of the street and hitting another car, pushing that car backwards. Stuff that you see in Hollywood movies. Yeah. And, and sadly, this is happening in New York. Sadly. And boy, Dominic, isn't that just a terrible testament to where New York is? And though, even though I bring up the idea of mental illness, Dominic, you know how I feel. I say throw the book at these people and anybody who is degrading the quality of life for others and harming someone else. You know, I I feel, you know, I believe in tough love and I think you got to throw the book at them and that's why I think it is such a toxic combination, Dominic, to have Alvin Bragg here too at that time, you know, at this moment. Well, the the district attorney, there's no other way to to say this, uh, Rita. He, He screwed up. 
he screwed up, and now he's got to he's got to moonwalk faster than the late Mac, Michael Jackson to try and take this back. And I don't think that's even gonna uh, uh, recover. I think he's hit a major credibility hit, and I don't know if it's possible for him to recover from this. Yeah, and I don't even see him moonwalking. The only person who knows how to do that is the Michael Jackson. <laughs> Good point, there, Rita. Dominic Carter coming up in just a few seconds. Everyone have a great show, Dominic. And everybody, I will talk to you tomorrow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888 888- 506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.